And we are going to dive in to the Gospel of John, back into our journey through John. We're going to be in John 18, and we are going to be in chapter, I'm sorry, in verses um, 37 and 38. It's actually just part of 38. It would be 38a, I guess, if you want to get technical. So let's read that together. Um, and Lord, I ask that you would be with us as we, as we uh, dissect your word here and that we would be encouraged by what we hear and that you would point us even more uh, closely uh, and succinctly to your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so it says here, <clears throat> now, uh, therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? So if you've been following us, well, Jesus is basically, his trial has begun. He's been arrested. Um, he's being uh, accused as <clears throat> being king of the Jews and many other things. He's about to go to the cross. And here we have the most, one of the most famous conversations. Uh, we have the ruler, the representative of the, uh, of the ruler of the known world, Pontius Pilate, which was Rome at the time, standing face to face with the ruler of the known world, Jesus Christ. And so the conversation they have here is very unique. We spoke about what the kingdom meant, where it is, when it is, how it is, all that stuff. And now we are moving into... Uh, some more practical application uh, here. So today, I hope it blesses you today. I hope this message encourages you um, to discover what truth really means, um, because that's ultimately what we're going to be talking about. And truth is really one of the most important aspects that we value of any relationship. We, We also claim to want the truth from everything. We do. We want to know what's true. Show me something that's true. Tell me the truth about what's going on. Don't lie. Don't be dishonest. The books we read, the friends we have, the videos we watch, we want truth from the media. We want truth from the government. But sometimes hearing the plain, straight up, unadulterated truth, the reality about something or someone can be painful. As the idiom goes, the truth hurts. Now, I learned at an early age, it often can hurt physically as well. I remember my mother telling me, even if what you did was wrong, I want you to tell me the truth. Always tell me the truth. That's number one. And I remember doing that, yet still receiving those whoopings for what I did, what was wrong. But you told me to tell the truth. My father, on the other hand, who also claimed to value the truth as well, he told me the same thing. But he used to add, unless the truth about someone else is going to get him in trouble then don't tell the truth. Then you're going to be a rat. Don't do that. So don't tell the truth. It's going to get someone else in trouble. Tell me the truth under all circumstances. See, truth can be very confusing. What my parents were actually talking about was being honest. Honesty is good, but honesty is not truth. You can be honestly wrong. Feelings are not truth. Medication can make you feel something, It can make you feel very good about something that is very wrong. I remember when I had my appendix out, when it became inflamed, I went to the hospital 
and they gave me some medication that made my appendix feel pretty good. But that feeling was not true. I found that out after the medication wore off. Get me some more, you know, and they obviously took it out. Truth has always been throughout history on every level a very difficult concept to understand. But what about you? What is truth? What does the word truth mean? If somebody were to ask you on the street, hey, what is true? Or what is truth? What would you say? Why would you say that specific thing? What does the word truth really mean to you? As you can see in our passage today, it begins and ends with a question. The first one is, Pilate says, so you are a king. He wants the truth. He's seeking the truth from Jesus. But then after Jesus's response that he came into the world to testify to the truth, Pilate then asks, what is truth? Or in other words, probably shaking his head, what is truth anyway? Who knows what truth, is, what truth really is? So Pilate's saying, tell me the truth, but I know no one really knows what the truth is, including me. And this is often how truth conversations go. We want the truth at all costs, but yet we have no idea on how to define it in order to know if the truth is in fact true. What's the standard? So how do we know what we're looking for as we seek to identify it? What characteristics does truth have? How can we know it when we see it? How can we live by it? I believe it begins by answering Pilate's last question from within our text, and that, of course, is what is truth? What we discover may hurt, may hurt some, or it could be the most incredible joy that you've ever experienced. So here we are. What is truth? Well, I believe that this this text tells us a few things about it. The number one thing I think that it tells us here, and this is where we'll probably spend the most time, is that truth, truth, capital capital T, is the reason Jesus was born. Truth is the reason Jesus was born. He said here, you're a king, and he says, "You, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, not necessarily to be a king, although, yes, he was born to be a king. But he goes, for this is why I was born, and this is why I came into the world, to testify to the truth. So Jesus was born to testify to what truth really is. The very question that Pilate is asking him is the very reason that Jesus was born, to testify to the truth. Now, I believe he first comes to refute what we like to see as truth. There are, very many, there, there are many counterfeit truths out there. The definition of truth is truth is that which comports with or agrees with reality. That's the definition. But ultimately, that can't be true. Especially, let's say, let's say you are a Buddhist or a Hinduist and where you look at everything here and you say, this is all just an illusion. We're not really seeing reality. We're perceiving it. So how do we know that that is true? You see, when Pilate says, what is truth? I don't know if you've ever seen any of the movies about Jesus in, in this altercation, but they portray it in a lot of different ways. Sometimes Pilate is like, truth? 
what is truth? I desire to know truth. I'll be right back, you know. Other times he's like, truth, what is truth? Who knows that? You know, that can never be determined. And that sort of is what the culture was like back then. The Greeks especially believed that no mortal man could ever really perceive what the truth was. So they sort of said, well, we could never know it because we're, we're not uh, gods. So they had basically two major philosophies at this time, which Pilate was, when he was saying, what is truth? He's saying, who are you? You're not God. You, what is truth? You're silly, silly man. But you remember later, when Pilate finds out that, they were, that Jesus was saying he's the son of God, Pilate became afraid. Because now he's starting to think, well, wait a minute, what if, what if this guy is a god? What if he was sent down? You know, what, what am I doing here? So we see this question and this answer is very consistent with what Pilate and that culture would believe. There was basically two forms of ways that people, philosophies that people thought about truth. One was Epicureanism, which is all about pleasure. Pleasure, seek the highest good, have the most fun, Feel the best you possibly can. Forget about truth. And then we have stoicism, which is all about your mind and thinking. Okay, truth is what you can reason for. So Epicureanism, pleasure, stoicism, knowledge, value is, is, is very highly valued. Being able to reason using your logical tendencies. But you see, for you to even understand this, this, the words that are coming out of my mouth, you have to use your, re- your reason. You do. But that reason presupposes logic. If logic isn't there, words don't mean anything. So where does that come from? So reason can't be used as a form of truth. Why? Because we can't say, well, we're using reason to determine that reason is true. Nope, there still needs to be something higher. And pleasure, feeling, the senses, all that, that can't be true either. I don't know, one day when I first took my son um, fishing, well, he used to love to stick his pole in the water. And I'd say, get your pole out of the water. And he, he would stick it in there. And at one point he said, that it, it starts to bend when it goes in the water. Do you ever notice that? If you see a log or something sticking in the water, it looks like it goes in and then it's bent. So your senses can be wrong, can't they? Because you're looking with your eyes going, that looks bent. But then if you get in and you feel and you touch it, you know that it's straight. And that's just one example that senses can't prove truth either. Feeling, you don't know what reality is by just being and touching. You don't know if this is even real. How do you know that God just didn't create the world right now? And everything in your memory has just been programmed there. It never really happened. You can't know that, can you? Well, not with any other worldview other than the Christian worldview. You see, because we know what truth is because we could add through our worldview, we can answer these questions. We were made in the image of God. We know that God exists outside of, of, the, of this realm. So yes, he is able to provide us with logic because that's part of his attribute. 
But you see, these other worldviews, they can't define truth because they stop at the very edge of the mountain and they say, oh, we just can't know it. Let's just depend on our feeling and let's just trust in our logic. They, they ignore the fact that without an outside mind that is self-existent, it's got to start somewhere. The self-existence of God. Absolute truth cannot exist. And so when Jesus says he came to testify about the truth, he is referring not to a philosophical truth. He is attesting to the truth that he himself, he is authentically the truth. Jesus is the beginning of all truth. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart for him, apart from him, nothing, no thing, nothing, whether material or immaterial, nothing has ever come into being that has come into being. Truth, knowledge, logic, everything, they are all an expression of Jesus. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. Kevin read Psalm 89, 14, loving kindness and truth go before you. That's because they are part of God's attributes. They are part of God's character. So lowercase truth can only be truly known by the uppercase truth. Jesus isn't a form of truth or an example of truth. He is the truth. He is the starting point for all things. He is self-existent. And the starting point, not just for the material things, but for the immaterial things we don't see yet. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So what does that mean for us? Well, we must make Jesus the only standard for truth. How? By changing your worldview. Well, first of all, I should say, recognize that you have a worldview. Recognize that you look at the world through a certain set of glasses. If you put black, dark glasses on, you see things dark. You put red glasses on, you see everything red. Jesus wants you to put his glasses on and see the world, have your worldview be through him. But first, recognize you have a way of seeing the world. Examine yourself and test yourself and see if you do have the Jesus worldview where you perceive through his lens, the lens of Jesus. I am looking through everything through the lens of Jesus, that he is the starting point of all things. You either have that worldview or you have a secular worldview or a humanistic worldview or however you want to say it. You perceive what you believe to be true through the system of the world, the culture, the various philosophies. You call yourself, you may call yourself a Christian, you may go to church, but the way you look at things, you may even think that truth can change. Truth is true for some, it's not true for others. No, the only quality that we can look at when we look at truth, the one thing I want you to hang on to is absolute truth. Jesus Christ, absolute truth is true 
all the time, everywhere, throughout all of history, and in every place. Yes. And guess what? Jesus says, or or the writer of Hebrews says in 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. He is truth constantly, always, and forever. According to philosophers, the top eight truths that no human being at any time whether past, present, or future, will ever resolve are these. I'm going to read these to you. Why is there something rather than nothing? Is our universe real? Because we may not, we can't know that again. We'll never know. We could say we see it. We can agree we both have that worldview. We could both open up the cupboard and go, that's a cookie, right? Yes, I agree. You agree. Our worldview tells us it's a cookie. We can eat it. We can share that cookie and we can both agree, but neither of us can prove that that really is there. That's what they mean by this. Is our, is our universe real? Do we have free will or is there something else controlling our will? Does God really exist? Now, again, these are the eight truths that philosophers can't figure out. And they could say, we'll never know if this stuff is true or not. Is there life after death? Can you really experience something objectively or is everything just subjective? Here's the the one that gets me. What is the best moral system? Can't figure that out. Jesus resolves every one of these doesn't he? Because he is truth. Where do we see all of this stuff? Why can I stand here and tell you that the Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes sense? Because of this book right here. It comes from a place that none of us have ever been yet. It comes from the mind of God. That's outside. It's sent to us so that we can know the truth. Jesus, he says, I, he is the word in flesh. So when you see the word of God, you can can interchangeably use that with Jesus. He is the word. He is truth. He resolves all of these. Why is there something rather than nothing? Read the Bible. Is the universe real? Read the Bible. Do we have free will? Read the Bible. Does God exist? Read the Bible. Is there life after death? Read the Bible. And the worst thing about it is, is that if you fall into a category of perceived category of neutrality, in that middle gray area doesn't exist. It does not exist. If you step in that neutral zone, you've stepped away from the Bible. Jesus said what? For me or against me? So the number one reason, I believe here we said that, that truth is the number one reason Jesus was born, according to this scripture. I'm not saying there wasn't other things. We know all the doctrines and all that stuff. But Jesus himself, his own words to Pilate, says that I was born to testify of the truth. And that is a great heading because everything falls right under that. It also says here that it was why he was born, but it's also why he came into the world. And it says here to testify to the truth about what? The very word of God. Now, remember, the word of God during their time was what? The Old Testament. All the Old Testament books. When you read about in the New Testament, these guys digging into the scriptures to see if these things are so. 
Paul searching, the, you know, reading the scriptures and testifying that Jesus is the Christ. That's the Old Testament. But he came to testify about that the word of God that was spoken through the prophets and the law is now fulfilled and has now come to its climax, its final expectation. And that is Jesus, the Messiah, has arrived. Truth has come. Again, grace and truth were realized by Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Law was given through Moses, but truth was realized through Christ, along with grace. When he said his high priestly prayer, he prayed for us. He prayed for the apostles that were there. Lord, sanctify them in truth. Thy word. I don't know why I get all King James when I say that. Your word is truth. The word of God is truth. Jesus is in the flesh the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. Now we talked about this about 62 sermons ago, literally, when we were in John 1. John, in that passage, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, uses a very unique word for word in the Greek. He uses the word logos, L-O-G-O-S. The Greek philosopher named Heraclitus first used the term logos around 600 BC to designate the divine reason or plan which coordinates a changing universe. So what he was saying was, in other words, that this word logos means logic. When John writes this, he is writing in a Greek culture. He is writing, this was one of the last books to be written as, in terms of the Gospels. It's about eight, they, they say it happened around uh, AD 85. So John is hinting at Jesus being the word, yes, but the logic, the attribute of God that allows the uniformity of nature and everything to be true. You can't have science without logic, can you? Random chance does not work that way. The invisible attribute of God, which holds all things together and makes all things work. It is truth, Jesus Christ. He came to bear witness to the truth about who? The person of God. In the words that Jesus said in really all of scripture, but in John 8, 56 to 58, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. He is saying that he is testifying, that he truly is one with the Father. He truly is fully God. And John tells us again, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. If you take all the word, if you do a search in your Bible, in the Gospels, for the word truth, Mark uses it, I think, once. Matthew, I think, uses it twice. Luke, twice. John uses it about 28 times, just in the Gospel of John. In all his epistles combined, he uses them 46 times. He uses the word truth. The Old Testament, I think, uses the word truth maybe 60, 70 times. John is showing us and pointing us to the truth one thing after another. He wrote this book 
his gospel, that you would believe that Jesus is the son of God. And by believing, you would have life in his name. That is the truth that John wants you to know first about Jesus. Jesus testified to the truth when he did his works. He said, the works that I do in my father's name, these testify of me. So he pointing, he's, he's pointing the truth about God. In the life he lived, the death he died, and the spirit that rose him from the dead, and the Holy Spirit that he sent when he ascended up to God. John, 1 John 5, 6 says, it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. <clears throat> Jesus testifies to the truth, then proclaims it with his very existence as God. I want, here's what I want you to take from that. Know truth by first knowing Jesus. That's very simple to understand. But by how do we get to know Jesus? We know Jesus by his word. Don't wait for God. Don't wait for Jesus to appear to you in a dream. Don't wait for Jesus to show you some sort of sign or wonder. Don't wait for Jesus to show you some like his presence. The angel of the Lord come before you. Don't wait for that. Go to his word. If you truly desire to know the truth, immerse yourself in the word of God. Immerse yourself in the word of God. And I don't mean read. If, if you like to read for hours, great. But if not, if you're not capable, read a paragraph and meditate on it and immerse yourself in it. Learn the word of God. Read it. Just read it. Let it wash over you. Not to check off the box, but to know Jesus. To know Jesus is to know truth. But the only way that we can truly know him is getting into this word and into this Bible. And I always, every year we say, all right, let's talk about our Bible reading plan. And it sort of assumes that we fell off the program. It's like, it's like yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to get on a, on a weight loss program or a workout program January 1st. Well, why had, did you stop anyway? You know it's good for you and, you're, and it's healthy and it's all that stuff. We stop because we let, things come. we let things move in priority all the time in our life. We shuffle things around. And that's good. It's okay. But you have to prioritize the word of God as number one. Let it be the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. No excuses. Get into it. Saturate your mind with the word of God and you will see that truth is not stagnant. It is active. It will change your heart. You will be a different person. You will be a different person next year at this time if every morning you wake up and you immerse yourself in the word of God. And you think about that word. I'm not talking about as like a do or don't list or a rules that you have to follow. No, I'm saying, I want to meet you today, Lord Jesus. I'm going to read the word and let me know you more through your word. And he will come through. <clears throat> and then Jesus says, you will be set free. John 8, 31 to 32. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And then, of course, here is this 
shepherd sort of motif that's brought that John brings us back into, <clears throat> which I think goes very well with this whole uh, uh, political overtones that are in this passage about kingdom and, and rulers and realm and all this stuff. He says here, everyone who is of the truth in verse 37, hears my voice. We heard that before, right? Back in John 10, when Jesus was talking about being what? The shepherd. And he was talking about his sheep. And his sheep are the ones that hear his voice. So my third point is that truth is the only vehicle that allows people to hear Jesus's voice. The source of the truth. As we, as we see here, he's, he, they're playing off of the, John's playing off of the kingdom work stuff that he was saying before. Remember, he was saying, my kingdom is not of this world. And we talked about what that meant, out of and from. And he said, my kingdom is not of this realm. It's not from this place, but it is for this place. And now he is saying, everyone who is of, again, out of, from the truth, hears my voice. And I can imagine Jesus talking to him to Pilate, while the voices of the people of the crowd are screaming, while people are probably calling Pilate. And Jesus is saying, everyone is of the truth. Here's my voice. I don't have to yell. They hear it. God will speak to you. If you are his, he will speak to you. <clears throat> He'll speak to you through people. He'll speak to you through circumstances. He'll speak to you through his word. It's usually when he speaks through people and circumstances, it's confirming his word. It's saying, wow, the word of God says this. That person just said that to me. They had no idea what I was listening for. I had no idea it was coming. Boom, I got hit with it. Wow, that's your voice, Jesus. And sometimes it's just something inside that you just know. It's a presence. It's a peace. He's speaking to you. He's confirming his love for you, to you. See, Jesus is never a demanding tyrant. He's not, you know, the, the old adage of you know, uh, when, when somebody sees the, uh, the shepherd driving the sheep as opposed to leading the sheep. Uh, what someone once said, that's not the shepherd driving the sheep. It's the butcher driving the sheep. The shepherd is always out in front. The butcher is always in the back pushing. That's not what Jesus is going to do for you. He's not going to be pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. He's going to be leading you. With, your, with his voice. Okay, he's going to be that true shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. God's a promise that you are never going to lose Jesus. It is impossible for you to ever lose Jesus if you are one of his sheep. He will bring you to the completion. He will bring you to the end and he will raise you up on the last day. No one can come to me unless the father draws him and I will rise, raise him up on the last day. There's a drawing, a dragging really in the Greek and there's a keeping that we see throughout scripture and then there's a, that final time where you are going to be risen, sin-free, problem-free. You're not going to have the burdens of this world. You're not going to have this body of death hanging on you, this corruptible, sinful flesh that's pulling you into the world. That's going to be gone if you are his sheep, if you are his sheep. 
you'll hear the voice. You'll be led by the Spirit. You see, remember, Jesus said that unless you're born of the Spirit, we say born again, unless you're born from above, you can't see the kingdom. So the Spirit has to do the work in your heart, and then you will come to hear the Word of God. You will come to hear the voice of God, and you will know the truth. You come to God only through the, the truth of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you hear his voice? Are you listening? What's the difference between hearing and listening? Well, I could tell you all about it, but if you ever want to see it, I'll just get you my kids around and I'll show you the difference. I'll start saying things to them and they're great hearers. They all hear the sounds, but they're not great listeners except one. Just kidding. No, they're not. They're not. What's the difference? Hearing is what? Perceiving sound. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about listening. See, listening is giving attention to that sound that you are hearing and acting upon it, whether in thought or deed. So if you hear the voice of Jesus and you're just standing there hearing it over and over and over again, today is your day to start listening. He's calling you to him. He's guiding, he's desiring to guide your life, Christian. He's desiring to bring you into life, non-Christian. But it all starts with his voice. So, truth is the reason Jesus was born. Truth is the reason Jesus came into the world. And truth is the only vehicle that allows people to hear Jesus' voice. <clears throat> it's funny because Jesus in this situation, I always wondered like, why is Jesus responding in this way to Pilate in this conversation? Out of all the things he could have said, he chose this. It was great. The most, I have no argument there. But you have to zero in. You really got to zone in, zoom in, in, in on this conversation Jesus was speaking to a, to, a, to a human being, a man that he made in his image. He was speaking to Pilate directly, the supposed representative of the ruler of the world. Pilate was face to face with Jesus. He was face to face with the truth, asking the truth, what is truth? And, and, and Pilate missed the point, everything. He misunderstood the point. He immediately put himself in the category of the Jews, rejecting him, not believing in him, not believing that he is the king of the Jews. The truth, Jesus says, makes you free. It makes you more free than money. It makes you more free than physical freedom. I, I, I could tell you um, about men that I met when I first got into prison ministry that were in jail for life that were much freer than I was. I had just been converted and I'd still been wrangling and 
what I'm going to do. But they were so free in that, in that jail cell. What they did was wrong, I'm sure. I don't know, I mean, exactly what they, some of them committed dastardly deeds and they were there for life, but they were free. Because, see, the truth sets you free. It doesn't matter what your outside circumstances are. The truth will set you free. The freedom that comes from, from the truth is something that you can never buy. And that is peace with God. Amen. Peace with the living God. Forgiveness of sins. Taking the guilt and the burden that you've been carrying your whole life about something that you've done or something that you've said or somebody who you think you are that you're really not, it falls off. And you become, the, you get that peace with God. That you, and you realize who you are. You're a child of God. And you trust and you rest in that. And there's nothing that I can describe to you better than that on this side of heaven. But I'll leave you with this. What I think another great thing about this passage is, is once you are freed by the truth, you can take this scripture for yourself. Once you're freed, you can take this scripture for yourself. You have been born and you are now set into the world by Jesus to testify about him, the truth. And everyone who is of Jesus will hear your voice. Everyone that is of Christ. It's not, we don't go around and go, I wonder if he is. No, no, we just, we let it, we like, we need to smell like it. We need to, we need to have the word of God all over us. So we're, we, it's oozing out of us. If somebody were to squeeze us, we would ooze out word of God. We ooze out Jesus. That doesn't happen overnight. That doesn't happen by like some prayer you could say. It happens according to God's timing. But I can tell you right now that if you receive this truth about the truth, all the hurts go away. No, I shouldn't say that. All the things that you feel are those wounds that, are, are, that you feel were done by mistake, you'll start to see how God is now going to use them. Yeah, you still are going to have emotion but it's nothing that you won't be able to get through because you will have the truth. So let's pray. Let's ask God to reveal that to us more and more. Father, we thank you that you are the truth, Lord, and, and that the truth is your son, Jesus Christ, and that he came into the world to testify about that. Lord, impress it upon our hearts. Let the truth fasten upon our hearts, Lord. Lord, let it ooze out of us. But God, most important, I pray that it would set us free. If there's, if there's anyone here in bondage, Lord, that they would be set free today by your truth, by, by them encountering you and you calling their name and them hearing your voice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together.